Today we're going to start this series, our Easter series, and it's called Garden to Garden. You, you've heard the song Graves into Gardens, right? That, that you turn graves into gardens. Okay, a couple of people did it. Right? But the reason that we're calling it Gardens to Gardens is because in the beginning everything started in the, in the garden, Right? And then everything went wrong, right? But if you remember, in the garden, in the beginning, God created everything, and he said that it was good, right? It was good. And then everything wasn't so good shortly after that. So where did things go wrong, and why? What was it that went wrong in the garden? We're going to talk about that uh, over the next couple weeks. Um, But more important than focusing on where things went wrong in the garden, we want to take this time leading up to Easter to talk about how God made it right. How did God make make it right? Through who? It's not a trick question. It's through Jesus. So I'm going to be talking about some things here uh, about how God made things right again. We all know that he did it through Jesus, but I think it goes deeper than understanding that it's Jesus. It's, it's what Jesus did. And there's multiple things that he did that I think we really need to know about and be focused on as we get ready to celebrate Easter. So before we do that, before I go any further, let's bow our heads and let's pray. And let's ask God to lead us. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you that, that we're back. Thank you that we get to be with our family. We're home. God, I just pray that today, as as we get into your word, that it is your word that stands out to us, that it is your word that speaks to us. I pray for fresh understanding and revelation. God, I pray that as as I navigate what, what you've put on my heart today, that it's not my voice that stands out to people. It's your voice that stands out to people. God, let us let us learn something new and let us apply it to our lives. God, like we pray every week, I pray that you give us ears that hear you speaking hearts that understand what you're saying, and minds that want to live out the instruction you're giving us. And God, do do your best to filter me out of this thing today. In Jesus' name, and everybody says, amen. Amen. All right, so I'm going to jump right in today. You all right with that? I'm going to set us up for the rest of the the series. Uh, Genesis, we're going to start in the beginning. The very beginning in Genesis 1, where God's creating everything. And, create, and specifically, we're going to look at where he's creating mankind, okay? So we're going to start in verse 27. Genesis 1, says this. So God created mankind in his own what? Image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful. Turn to your neighbor and say, be fruitful. Okay. Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds of the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So I, wanna, I, I think it's important to point out something to you today. God's very first instruction to humankind is to be fruitful. But maybe you never thought of this. What was the thing that the devil used to tempt Eve? Do you ever connect those dots? You will today. <laughs> I find it interesting that the thing that the devil used to tempt Eve was the very thing that God said we were sp- supposed to produce. Let's read about that whole temptation thing. Genesis 3. This is just a few, uh, two chapters later. Really in the grand scheme of time, it's not very long after this. Okay, 
Verse 1, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, well, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. You will die. Verse 4. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her. Who was where? And he ate it. Okay, side note, stop right there. Uh, This has nothing to do with the message. But he was with her. So all you men who talk about how your woman's dragging you down and all these different, man up. He was with her. He could have said, honey, don't eat that thing. But he was silent, like, okay, yeah, yeah. Like, okay, so don't give the ladies the grief here, okay? He was there. Amen, ladies? Coming from a man, amen. It has nothing to do with my message. Let's move on. Verse 7. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? So I want to point something out real quick. I already showed you that there was a couple plays on, or there was a play on words there. There was, there was the usage of be fruitful and the devil used fruit to defile what God had planned was going to be the, the life for Adam and Eve. Okay, But there's another one. The second one might not have jumped out, out with you. Verse 5, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. You will be like God. The devil is so cunning. Just moments before this, God said, let us make man in our own image. Many versions of the Bible say in our own likeness. It's amazing how Satan excels at taking promises of God and twisting them into the issues of man because Adam and Eve already were like God. They already were. They were made in God's likeness. They were made like God. And the devil says, oh no, there's more. And I think we as humans get caught up when we think we can do better than God. Or we need more than what God is giving us. How many have ever been in that place where you're like, come on God, I feel like I need more. The devil was telling them, you need more than what God has already done. God actually eating the fruit made them less like God because they were already made in his likeness. So here Adam and Eve were, they're in the garden, and because they got this idea in their mind that they needed more than what God had provided to them, they lost the garden and they received the grave. Interestingly, if you go back and you look at what the devil said would happen, if they, and, and the, what the devil's, quote, promises would be if they ate the fruit compared to what God said would happen, what God said happened. 
they surely would die. They signed a contract, and the end of that contract was their death. And they were never supposed to live that way. But the devil, all he did was lie to them and persuade them to do what he wanted instead of what God wanted. Okay, so if the garden is the perfect place where we all want to be, where we were meant to be, how many people would like to go back to the garden? Anybody? Show of hands in the place. Okay, four of you. The rest of you, you, know, you may leave. We're going to talk about going back to the garden, all right? How many people would like to go back to the garden? Yeah. So how do we get back to the garden? If we, if we can go from garden to grave and back to the garden, how do we get back to the garden we get back to the garden through Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. Okay, so like I said, leading up to Easter Sunday, we're going to talk about these things that Jesus did to get us back to the garden. We're going to talk about three specific things, one each week, that, that, got, that really happened when we left the garden and, and things that were intended in the garden, but we walked away from those things and how Jesus brings us back to the garden. So we're going to go garden to garden. Can we go garden to garden? All right, we're going to do that. Okay, nobody wants to do that, but I'm going to do it anyway. Okay, so let's go back to that scripture that I talked about before, Genesis 1.28. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful. Everybody say, be fruitful. And then it says, an increase in number. When God told Adam and Eve to be fruitful, he was telling them to take action. He was telling them to do something, Okay. But what does that mean, be fruitful? At first glance, we, when we read that, we link it right together with the next part. Be fruitful and increase in number. But that's not the only place in the Bible where it talks about fruit, is it? No. There's other places. And actually, if you look at, at the, the original language of this, the words that are used for fruit are the same words that are used for fruit later. So let's read another place in the Bible where it talks about fruit. Galatians 5.22 but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. So God says in Genesis to be fruitful. And we just all that thought that meant make babies, right? <laughs> like be fruitful and multiply. But, but it's actually be fruitful, period. It, it, there's not a period there. But it's be fruitful was one instruction and multiply is another instruction. So God talks about fruit in Genesis, and then he talks about fruit in Galatians, okay? But in the beginning, in the garden, this is so interesting. When we did the video, do you remember what they said it would be like in a world with no sin? There would be love, there would be joy, there would be peace. Those are all things that are found in that list I just read. That's because in the garden, in the place where there was no sin, we were naturally going to produce fruit. But then because we sinned and lost the garden, we don't naturally produce fruit. It takes work. It takes action. So in the beginning, when God gives the instruction, he doesn't say how because it's going to happen naturally. But when we talk about Jesus coming onto the scene, now we have to have instructions on how to produce fruit 
We have, to, we have to know how. So let's look at what it says about how we do this. Galatians 5.22, uh, and then we'll, we'll start where we were, and we're going to go past that in the 24 and 25. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And then verse 24, it says, those who belong to Christ who? Jesus, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Why did Eve eat the fruit in the garden? Because her own passions and desires led her into doing it. Her feelings. The devil said, but there's more. And so the feeling of jealousy or of desire grew inside of her enough for her to say, I'm going I'm to walk away. I'm going to trust my feelings more than I trust the Father. And so she, because she trusted her feelings, her desires, her passions, she walked into the grave. She walked out of the garden, essentially. And this says the way that we live a fruit-filled life is to crucify those passions and desires. It's not about those passions and desires. It's about the Father. Amen? Hmm. Jesus himself says this in, in John 15, 16. This is interesting because now that you, I've got you thinking about fruit, before I get into that, that verse, you'll find that there's places all over the Bible where it talks about fruit. And if you link it back to the Genesis scripture, you'll find that it makes sense every time that it's talking about this action of being fruitful that was, that was get this command that was given to us from God in the beginning. John 15, 16 says this, you did not choose me, but I chose you and I appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. So Jesus coming and dying on the cross, defeating the grave, rising again is something that he has done so that we could get back to the garden, the place where we can produce the fruit that God wants us to produce. He says uh, that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other, which is one of the fruits of the Spirit, right? Which is love. Jesus says, I chose to come and bring you to a place where you can live out the command that I gave you in the beginning where it's not about your feelings, it's about the Father. And, and a lot of people think that the reason that Jesus died on the cross was just for our salvation. In fact, that's what we're taught in all kinds of churches all around the world today, that, that the one big thing that Jesus did is he came so that you and I could go to heaven after we die. Now, we did the whole end time series, and we talked about how there's stuff that happens after we go to heaven, right? And that heaven isn't even our final resting place, and that there's, there's so much more than that. Turn to your neighbor and say, there's more than that. Jesus didn't just come so that you could know that you're going to heaven because if that's it, that creates faith without action. And faith without works is dead. And dead means what? Dead, dead means dead, right? And so if, if we just, if the only reason Jesus came is so that I could go, I get to go to heaven, then what's the point? Because in the beginning, when man was created, they were given the very first command, which was go and be what? Fruitful. And so if we're really going to be back in the garden the way that God wants us to be, if we're really going to live the life that God wants us to, we need to take action and we need to produce what? Fruit. The fruit of the Spirit. It has to happen. And, and so 
So Jesus instructs us basically here to have faith with action. And, and that is what's so key when he says that we should love one, one another because love is an action. The fruits, and I want to say this because a lot of people think of the fruits of the Spirit as um, feelings. But actually, it's a choice to love. It's a choice. You, you can choose peace or you can choose turmoil. You can choose to be joyful or you can choose to be sad. We live in a world today that is led by feelings. Think about it. Like if somebody says something that hurts someone's feelings, that's a problem. And it's all based on feelings. How do you feel about this? How do I feel about that? You go on social media or any media for that matter. People are being kicked off of platforms. They're being fired from their jobs because they said or did something that hurt somebody's feelings. So the actions that are happening in the world today are so based on feelings. But, and, and I saw something while we were on vacation, probably online on Facebook or something. And it was just a, some statement that was saying, you, you know, People think that faith is all about feelings, but Jesus says to crucify your feelings. That it was never about your feelings. The Bible says we're going to go through tough stuff. It says that we're, you know, we should count it all joy when we fall into various trials, right? I imagine in the trial you're going to have some feelings, but you need to count it joy. That means take action for one of the fruits of the Spirit, right? Which is joy. Produce fruit. Don't just like hope that it happens. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. That sounds like a bad place, right? And it says, but we shouldn't have fear for he is with us in the middle of a thing that could have lead us into bad feelings. Feelings happen. It's the Father that wants to help us through the feelings, right? What do we live for? What are you living for? What's guiding your life? Are your feelings guiding your life or is the Father guiding your life? Is it the feelings or the Father? See, the, the devil in, in the garden, the devil substituted God's instruction for actions with feelings. And he wants to make it, this is the thing, the devil will always tell you that his way is the easy way. I love this, this, this thought, it popped in my head, is that... Uh, God says to be fruitful. But what's interesting about that statement is that it's something that should come out of you, right? The devil twisted that and he said, you know, Eve, how you can be fruitful is to fill yourself with fruit. The opposite of what God wanted. Oh, there's fruit. Take it. God says, no, no, don't take it. Produce it. It's, complete, it's completely the opposite. And in the world today, we're being taught that we need to take it, that it's all about what we can take. It's all about what we receive. We gotta have more money. We gotta have the best this or that. The, the culture of comparison we've talked about is so dangerous. It's all about me, me, filling me up when in reality, God says the action we need to take needs to produce outwardly the fruits of the Spirit, right? Feelings can guide us into a lot of bad situations, right? When, when we make decisions based on how we feel, uh, we, we can end up in some, some bad situations. If, we, if sometimes feelings had le have led you into a relationship, and if that relationship went too far, they can leave you feeling pretty broken, right? 
Sometimes feelings can lead you to make decisions that you otherwise wouldn't make and can leave you. In, let me just say this. If you take action on your feelings and in the end it leaves you feeling guilty or shameful, those feelings and that leading was not from the Lord. When I was younger, I struggled with anger. And I've told some of you this before. But I would let my, my feelings like well up inside of me. And, and I hurt a lot of people and I hurt a lot of walls. <laughs> uh, and they hurt my hand back. But I remember a moment. It was the first time Allison experienced me like overcome with anger. It was New Year's Eve. And my brother uh, was picking on me. He's older than me. And I say picking on me. He was like you have to know my brother, but he was, you know, he like came by and like elbowed me. And in front of my whole family, I beat him up. Happy New Year's. Right in the middle of the living room, I just started punching him and I wouldn't stop in front of everybody until he ended up falling over onto the table, knocking everything all over the place. And I stood there just totally ashamed of myself because I let my feelings lead me into something that was so embarrassing. It was like, who am, this is not the person I want to be. It's because if we allow our feelings to guide us, we'll end up in places we shouldn't be. But if we'll allow the Father to guide us, we'll end up right where he always planned for us to be, right back in the garden. Right back in the garden. I want you to do something this week. I want you to Google search, what does the Bible say about feelings? I want you to do this. If you need to write this down, I want you to Google search. What does the Bible say about feelings? You will find no place in the Bible where it says follow your feelings. You will find zero scriptures that say follow your feelings. But we live in a world that says follow your feelings. Whatever you feel is right. No, you will find many scriptures that say don't trust your feelings. <laughs> trust the Lord. Crucify your feelings. Crucify the flesh. Don't do the things of, of, of how you feel. Trust the Father. You live by feelings or do you live by the Father? It's a good question. Do you live by feelings or do you live by the Father? So your instruction for the week is to Google what does the Bible say about feelings. Your challenge for the week is to start to put your life through the filter of the fruits of the Spirit. Galatians 5.22. In fact, why don't, we, uh, why don't we read that scripture together? Galatians 5, 22. Can you bring that up? Here we go. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit, read it with me, is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Put your life through the filter of that. And, don't, and God didn't say, just see where these are in your life. The very first instruction he gave all of humanity is do these things. Produce the fruit. Put action into each one of these areas and you can walk back into the garden. This is why Jesus came, to make this possible so that you could crucify your, pa your passions and desires as Jesus crucifi was crucified for each one of us. Amen? All right, let's bow our heads. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for today. Thank you for your word. Thank you that we get to be together in this place. And God, I pray that today, maybe some new connections were made. I pray that there was some new understanding of God's commands for our life. That we shouldn't just be people who, who move by the blowing of the wind or by the movement of the sea or by, by our feelings, but we should be people of action. 
that we should be people who take that very first command that God gave each one of us seriously. God, I pray that you can help us as we really strive over this next week, month, this next year to like start to actually apply the fruits of the Spirit into our life, to take action. God, show us areas where we need to make changes, where, we need, where it needs to be different. God, really like poke us, make it, make it hurt, make it noticeable when we're, wa- when we're walking by our feelings and, and help the Holy Spirit and to, to remind us that we need to live by the Father. With everybody's eyes closed here, I, I want to give just an opportunity. If you're here and you've not made Jesus Lord of your life, for you to do that. If you want to start walking with the Lord today, what do I mean by that? I mean, you can't really live this life that I'm talking about without making Jesus Lord first. God has a great plan for you. He's, or, he's, he's got a purpose and a destiny for you that starts right where you are today. You don't need more than what God has, has planned for you. He's got a perfect plan for you. And today, maybe what we're talking about, wanting to have life change, maybe you realize you've been living by your feelings and you want to live the fruits of the Spirit. You want to take action in in that direction. The very first step is that you need to make Jesus Lord of your life so that you can begin uh, hearing from Him. You can get into His Word and understand what He has for you and that you can begin walking in His direction. So if that's you and you want to make Jesus Lord right now, just with everybody's eyes closed, just lift your hand up. Is there anybody that knows they want to make those decisions? Awesome. Awesome. There's a whole bunch of hands all around the room. Praise the Lord. All right, you can put your hands down. I want you to know that I saw your hand, but that doesn't matter. God knows your heart. He knows you. He knows right where you are, and he knows why you raised your hand today. So today we're going to pray. And we're in our prayer, you're going you're gonna to declare with your mouth, you're going to say that Jesus is Lord of your life. But clearly from our conversation today, it's much more than just saying, I want Jesus to be my Lord. It's about taking action. And so today, after making him Lord of your life, you can start applying the fruits of the Spirit. That scripture, Galatians 5, 22. And you can start to see how God brings you back into the garden. So let's pray together. Say this with me. Say, Lord... Thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending Jesus so that I could be saved. Help me to not live by my feelings, but to live for the Father. Open my eyes to the areas I need to change. Help me to take steps in your direction every day. Today I choose to make Jesus Lord of my life. I don't want to live my way anymore. I want to live your way. So lead me into the life you created for me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Come on, let's celebrate together. Awesome. If this message touched you in any way and you'd like to talk to someone at the church, you can reach us online at rlcbr.org. Search for us on Facebook And if you're in the Big Rapids area, visit us on Sunday morning at our location in Big Rapids or the church right across the street from Menards.